to Fintech Insider. My name is David Breer. Uh, as you probably will have heard a few weeks ago on the new show, we discussed the launch of a banking solution specifically designed for influencers and creators called Expo. I made a couple of comments about influencers' earnings and questioned a few of them about whether that would be a, a long-term living or not, or whether the product itself was even too niche. Uh, what happened after that was Expo CEO pretty much called me out on it in a blog that he put up on uh, on LinkedIn and tagged me in it as well, which I thought was uh, was very elaborate. Um, there was some myth-busting around influences, the creative community, uh, and how much they'd really been left out by traditional financial services products. So what we wanted to do is bring on and chat about that, have a little bit of more of understanding, try and you know dispel some of the pieces that actually we sort of see in the industry about uh, influences and, and really what that stands up to, to be. So please welcome to the show, Latana Aziki, who is the founder and CEO of Expo. How are you doing, Latana? I'm good. I'm good. I think I've, I'm tired of the, the Twitter fingers and blog fingers, to be honest. <laughs> so it's nice <laughs> to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you were up early in the morning doing that. So it was really, uh, you know, get get it off your chest and uh, and, and understand, uh, you know, which is good because actually it's, it's um, you know, it's critical to you're trying to support a community, right? So actually getting out there and representing the community is super important. But for everybody who, who listened to that show, and I know, uh, you know, we covered it in the news in terms of what Expo is, is doing, but Tell us a little bit more about why you started the business and actually what is the problem that you guys are really trying to solve? Yeah, so we didn't actually start solving this issue. So we actually launched three times and I think this is the third time we finally got it. Um, so we actually started off as the usual stuff, you know, um, connecting brands and content creators. There's probably thousands of marketplaces like that now. Um, but we kind of use that as a learning ground for us to really learn what the real issue was. End up finding out that 85% of our campaigns were actually from content creators bringing external campaigns into our platform. You know, at first you think, hey, that's some great stats. That means people really love our marketplace. And I'll talk to them. They're like, hey, we didn't really use you for new campaigns just because you paid us quicker. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's quite interesting. Um, talk to them more. And then there was one content creator we spoke to specifically called uh, Grandy Cat. She's a fashion blogger herself. Um, and I think she had a deal with uh, River Island at the time. So we were like, hey, what if I've paid you 90% of that invoice tomorrow? How do you feel about that? Essentially normal invoice factoring. She was like, fuck yeah, 100%. I wouldn't do that. Um, so at first we were like, hey, yeah, this is it. Um, then we found out over, so we were actually going 30% month a month from probably like say January 2021 uh, to about, you know, March, April. And not finding out that, you know, creators are giving us small value invoices. Like we're talking like, you know, 800 pounds, probably 1,500 maximum. Um, then I did one crazy thing one day and I switched the pricing from 10% to 0%. I just wanted to see what would happen. Essentially, we got two months of invoice value um, in that one day. Um, and end up finding out that, hey, the real value isn't really from us charging them the 10%. Um, the real value is actually the financial data that we get. Um, which is extremely unique and actually really shows you or shines a light into how much content creators are earning. So essentially what we do is that we leverage that data and be able to actually help content creators know their worth, um, actually know what to charge because right now they kind of just choose prices out of thin air. Um, and also in the future, give them access to financial services because, you know, I'm an ex-banker myself, used to work Barclays, digital, um, end up finding that banks don't actually understand how content creators earn, they don't really want to or care to anyways. So we essentially become that translator, um, that broker where we actually broker the data and say, hey, you know, that mortgage that you still this person this person wasn't, you know, good for, we can actually see from the earnings of the content creator that they are good for it. Or let's say that loan, uh, for example, they said, you know, they give them really crappy rates. We can say, hey, hey, they actually have way more income 
than you think, um, essentially, and therefore they can give them lower rates. So that's essentially um, our goal um, at the end of the day. It's it's interesting, isn't it? And and maybe um, I mean it's a it's a great vision to sort of set out on. And and like you say, you can really see how you know really these influences are. Uh, you know, they're, they're businesses. It's not just a person, it's a business. So when you start talking about, you know, invoice financing and, uh, and uh, you know, being able to get paid ahead of the curve from a cash flow perspective, like these are SME, SMB problems, but people see influencers just as an individual, you know, trying to, you know, steer a community into buying a thing that they want to buy. So it's, it is interesting that they have the exact same problems, right? Exactly that. And also, yeah, they are businesses, but we're really big on saying, you know, they're also people too at the end of the day. So sometimes even when we spoke to investors, they're kind of like, oh, what kind of, you know, financials um, or payments solutions do creators want? And I'm just like, the same as everyone else. Um, you know, they want mortgages, they want loans, they want car finances, they want access to those things, essentially. They're not just marketing tools. Yeah, and and this is obviously, I mean, as a an influencer yourself in uh, a present, uh, I guess being a you know starting a business that that influence is not going to go away anytime soon. So, I mean, is, are you drawing upon experiences you've had yourself in terms of uh, you know these are problems you've had, therefore you know there's a lot of other people out there with uh, similar issues. Yeah, exactly. So I was actually an ex-athlete myself. So I used to be a 200 meter sprinter for England. And that's how I fell into things. Um, I don't actually want to be a content creator. There wasn't actually a thing for like that five years ago. Um, essentially what happened was I was posting my, I think training on Instagram, got quite a niche audience. Then all of a sudden the likes of like Puma and New Balance reached out saying, Hey, we'll give you free spikes if you tag us. A month later was like, hey, what are your rates? And I'm like, oh crap, I can actually charge for this. And then you're waiting for the 30, 45 days. And I'm not used to this, or I wasn't used to that um, at all at that time. And, you know, I can't really tell my bills to wait 30 to 45 days, can I? <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, and one, on the other side of that is uh, is banks that won't listen if you don't pay them for the things that you want them to, like a mortgage or a house, right? So it, Exactly. It, it's interesting. I mean, the, the points I was sort of making on the podcast for, for me was about, I, I worry, and maybe a kind of a little bit of a more broad conversation around influences more broadly. Um, my, my philosophy on being influential is that I try and achieve a thing and then be influential for the thing that I've achieved. And I think I, I worry a little bit, you know, I've got a nine-year-old and a, and a seven-year-old uh, who will do whatever Mr. Beast says to do. You know what I mean? Like, so, <laughs> whereas actually uh, in my mind, I'm like, is that, the, is that the career aspiration? Is that what they should be aspiring to be? Is an influencer particularly, and I, I you know, I say this a lot on, if you look at things that I've kind of put on LinkedIn and, and Twitter. I really don't believe in fintech influencers who are just amplification of other things that are happening. Creators, for me, are a completely different thing. If you are, I think there are, you know, there's consumers of content and there's creators of content. I think if you're adding value to the community and creating things in the community, I think it's a really different thing. But I, I sort of say that with a, a slight word of caution, and this is kind of what I sort of said on the podcast a little bit, was you know, there is a very long tail of, of revenue. Is that is that a misconception? Is that, Am I wrong in that? Or is it, is it easier than I think it is to, uh, you know, have 20,000 followers on uh, social media and then be able to to generate sustained revenue? Yeah, no, I think you know, you're 100% right in terms of there is definitely that extremely long tail of content creators. There is that 0.5% who earn, you know, shitloads of money, uh, to be honest, and then there is that, that definitely long tail. Um However, I think your point about them not really earning um, a, a lot of money, uh, to be honest, is 
steeped in untruths in terms of, let's say, for example, YouTubers, right? They don't depend on YouTube ad revenue. Um, like no one really does anymore, like they used to before, is more external brand campaigns. So that's why it's sometimes hard to actually track what content creators earn, because even the platforms themselves don't know, because these transactions don't happen on these platforms that YouTube and Instagram and through that. It's normally just like an invoice payment, um, which is actually, yeah. we, that's, that's why we actually get to see in real time what these creators are earning. So to give, for example, we have like multiple personas, but we have a persona of a stay at home mom. Um, she does a lot of like interior design. Um, she got paid, I think it's like 1.4K for uh, two feed posts on Instagram, for example. Like her counterpart, who is not a content creator, is earning zero. So she's, uh, who's obviously like a, a stay at home mom at all. Um, so she's earning far more than her own counterparts. Let's talk about another content creator. She's 18 um herself she's a shoe fanatic um she got paid i think 2.3k from from ebay uh to do two feed posts on the end and she earned i think 1.5k from that uh, which is just below what the uk average um salary is which is about 1.9k but then if we actually look at the age group and the fact that she's a woman as well um her counterparts are actually earning about probably like 1.2 from nine to five Monday to Friday for four weeks essentially through there so this is something that she's very very passionate about so I think yes you are right that there's definitely that long tail 100% but how much they're earning or at least how much some of them or the people on expo are actually earning are actually you know close to what the UK monthly average is and that's just on external partnerships through there yeah, and that's that's amazing, isn't it? If you you know if, if you can do something that you're passionate about, do something that you love, and be paid to do it at the same time, it's the sort of uh, it's the perfect crime at that stage, right? In terms <laughs> of where they are. Um, I, I guess in that sense, though, and the 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 you know the the pain points, the the real you know jobs to be done, you guys are kind of really addressing with Expo is it is actually you know turning that that hobby into a a business that people can really operate with so so how much are you guys looking at obviously when you look at the um you know you're doing lots of research you've lived this problem yourself how much are you looking at almost the SME market as the the more mature version of what you guys are kind of looking to achieve so you know I'm thinking players like coconut players like tide is that the direction that you can see the business growing in um, I think they are quite cool in what they're doing. Um, however, how we really differentiate ourselves from other competitors is that we actually have inherent benefits to our, our customer base and we can actually help them become better at what they do. And no neobank does that. Um, the reason why no neobank does that is because, you know, they don't really have any niche properly. Um, so let me just explain. So for us, we focus on content creators who are just YouTubers, TikTokers, and Instagrammers. Those are the three that we exclusively focus on. And because of the data that we collate at the end of the day, we're able to tell content creators on Instagram, hey, did you know that if you increase your engagement by 2% on Instagram, you can now charge, you know, 1K instead of the 800 pounds you're currently charging uh, for a story post. Um, on a YouTuber, we can say if you increase your watch time by, you know, you know, two minutes, you can actually, you know, basically just change one variable and it can earn more, essentially. So th that's actually helping them, uh, like, earn more and earn more faster um, through us. And no other neobank is actually really helping um, their user base because their user base is not niche at all. And I think the one reason we're able to do this is because when you're filling out an invoice, so let me just give you an example. 
let's say we're both painters, right? And we've both done the same job. We've both painted someone's living room. Um, what we may call it on an item, on invoice, may be completely different. I may call it, you know, painting gig. You may call it, I don't know, painting on Saturday. The system on the back end can't match that to be like, oh, that was actually the same job that they both did, um, essentially through there. With us and on our platform, when you're creating an invoice, we don't allow the creators to create their own item because we pre-fill it. Because we know that if you're on Instagram, it's going to be, you know, feed, story, IGTV, reels. Um, and that's all it can be, essentially through there. <clears throat> and once we do that, we then know that, hey, we can actually match these two, three things and say, hey, these people actually did the same job. Um, because this person has more followers or more, or, um, or yeah, more followers or more engagement or, you know, the audience has a higher earning, whatever, whatever it is on that end, we can then come to them and say, hey, you know, if you can increase this variable, you can actually earn more. So we actually have a four step process in terms of going to banking. So we're not a bank yet. Um, it's a very, very, very long process. First step, get creators paid quickly. It's kind of like an acquisition model for us to get uh, creators coming through and it's completely free service. Um, number two then is actually helping creators become better creators. So actually give them insights that help them earn more. Um, so for example, there's been a huge thing about, you know, the influencer pay gap or creator pay gap. What we can actually do is that if David yourself, you're putting in an invoice for Boohoo for 500 pounds, a pop-up actually comes up saying, hey, you know, We've actually funded Boohoo, a lot of um, Boohoo invoices, and we can actually see that they normally pay £800 for no someone with your stats. Obviously, we just, yeah. it's just suggestive pricing, um, essentially up to, up to you to decide whether you want to go back and re renegotiate. Then the third step is well, actually... Well that's, yep. well, that's a really interesting point, though, just on that, because mm -hmm. most people, it's hard to refer... In, uh, it's hard for creators to really understand their wealth, right? Uh, or their worth, rather. So... That's a really interesting piece because if somebody, you know, one person's charging like fifteen pounds and somebody else is charging fifteen hundred, but they're essentially doing the same thing with the same amount of followers and the, you know, the same amount of engagement, then so you're helping people almost understand their worth. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Whether that be you know either increasing their prices or decreasing their prices based on actual factual data um, that we have, not just you know kind of like pissing in the air and choosing something. Um, and then our third thing is then compliance because of the content creators they are here in the UK, probably one percent are trying to be compliant. And of that 1%, early 1% and actually doing it properly. Uh, some of them just kind of use QuickBooks and Zero, and then, you know, just upload random documents and hope everything's a okay. Um, so we just want to have something, something simple like TouchLight, um, how much the, the taxes will be. Um, and then maybe in the future, then ring fencing that for them. Um, so they don't have to do the calculations themselves. And then the fourth step is then obviously banking, uh, those content creators, which comes in two folds, right? First fold is, you know, without essentially the banking license where you can then broker the data um, to credit bureaus, lenders, et cetera, et cetera. And then the second step is actually providing those financial services directly to the creator, which is where things get really, really fun. Yeah, no, it's it's super cool. It's um, the point you were making around the, the niches. Uh, do, you know, do you think this is where obviously you've had some time uh, you know, at Barclays and a, a big bank as well, you know, actually are you seeing, and we see, you know, globally we're seeing players like First Boulevard aiming at uh, black people, uh, Daylight aiming at LGBTQ, you know, do you think sort of this, this is really the evolution of financial services? Because when anybody can now be able to create a, a financial services organization and actually the competitive landscape is getting, you know, more competitive than ever, people kind of want to bank with people who really understand what they're trying to do and really understand, you know, how to be better at that. So 
Do you think this is the direction of travel for financial services? I think it is. I think it was the same thing with marketplaces, right? You know, Craigslist and eBay came with buy and sell everything. And then other people who, you know, came in with their own niches and owned that and took market share from the big guys, essentially. And these big banks have never had a niche at all. And there's different personas in life in our society that, that want different things and want that inherent benefit to, to their persona, um, essentially. And I think that's a hundred percent where it's going to. Um, when it comes to even for us, when we want to lend this content creators, there's actually a benefit for them because, you know, right now, let's say, David, if you applied for a loan, they either tell you yes or no, right? If they tell you no, they don't really tell you the reason why um, at all. Um, with us, when we're able to bank the content creators properly, and because of the credit risk assessment we can actually do ourselves and our algorithms, if, if we say no, we can say, you know, you have to say you apply for a £10,000 loan. We can say, hey, you know, you don't you know, qualify for that right now, but you do qualify for a £5,000 loan, for example. Um, and then we can then say on top of that, these are the payment plans. Um, however, if your, you know, next YouTube videos are over 100k, let's say the next five YouTube videos are over 100k, you, you will be able to, um, get that 10,000 pound loan, which is amazing. But then on the risk side of things, right? Because what most banks want to do is actually limit the defaults because you're invoicing through us. We can actually see, you know, your propensity to actually default on a, you know, on a monthly repayment. And actually on the spot, flexibly restructure the loan agreement because we know, you know, how much you're going to be earning this month as well. And what's great, even probably more for us as Expo and probably lenders will love, <clears throat> is that we ourselves um, can take the money out before the money actually lands in your account. Kind of how you get taxed um, through there, which actually makes it even way, way safer um, through that. But obviously that's a very very regulated industry um we might off, we might actually start off so i was actually speaking to justin um from clearscore we might actually just start off with what clearscore did themselves which is you know just being just outside of regulatory um boundaries and just brokering that data yeah i mean it's fascinating and an ever increasing thing as well you know the sort of plethora of different social channels um, I mean, which channels are you particularly focused on right now? Uh, I mean, I, I spend most of my time on Twitter and LinkedIn, but it sounds like Instagram is probably the place for more monetization at this stage. Yeah, Instagram is definitely our number one spot. Um, then YouTube, then TikTok. So those are top three. Twitch is something I'm definitely heavily looking at um, just because my little brother is actually a huge Fortnite player. Um, and he actually won some money and it's taken like eight months for it to land uh, through there. So I'm just thinking hmm, invoice finance for them would be really really great uh, especially if you're able to partner directly with Fortnite and be able to do the prepayments um, through there uh, but definitely the top three is Instagram YouTube and TikTok Sounds good. Well, uh, I really, really appreciate you reaching out. I really, really appreciate you writing the blog. I can see this this succeeding, and like I say, this niche can can definitely be successful. Uh, coming back and let me know when you're doing LinkedIn, because I think at that point, <laughs> then I'll uh, I'll, be, I'll be up for this. In, in terms of where, where can people learn a little bit more about what you guys are doing, and uh, and where can they find out uh, a little bit more information about you as well? Yeah, um, for me is L O T T S X P O on all platforms. Um, and for the brand is just Expo app on Instagram and we post quite a lot. I'm also on LinkedIn as well as Latana Rizuka. Very cool. Very cool. And congratulations for the success. It takes a hell of a lot to start a business and get it going. It's uh, an amazing uh, thing in itself, just sort of doing that, isn't it? It's uh, an interesting transition as well from sports person through to, to sort of business person. It's a, uh, a pretty cool transition, huh? 
Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. No worries. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for joining us on Fintech Insider. Uh, you can find me, as I just said, over on LinkedIn predominantly these days. Uh, I really should think about opening up another Instagram account, shouldn't I? And uh, see if Latana can help me on that one. But uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. If you want to join the conversation, you can find Fintech Insider and 11FS on pretty much every social media channel at this stage. Or if you really want to, just email us on podcast at 11FS.com. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.